0: So take your Bible, please. and uh, anyone know where we are today? <laughs> Very good. I'm glad we are. We're off to a good start, I could tell. We're in First Peter chapter two, and we're following up on the, the sermon of the, well, the last couple of weeks. We're making our way through the epistle of Peter, uh, verse by verse as we go along. So I, I haven't said this in a while, but whatever I'm going to say today, whatever it is, it's not because anyone's on my mind to talk to you from the pulpit like this. It's just how, so it just so happens to be where we are today. So if that's the case, maybe God's doing something. You know, maybe, Just maybe God's in that for you. Uh, so we're in 1 Peter 2, <clears throat> verses 11 and 12. Why don't we stand together as we read? There's only two verses today, but they are packed with good info that we need to digest and apply So 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12, this is coming at the end of the whole thing about the cornerstone, then the whole thing about spiritual sacrifices, so just keep that in mind. So 1 Peter 2, verse 11, I'm reading from the New King James Version, so it may be different if you don't have that, but... Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for everything that's happened thus far. It's been a good day in your house. But Lord, now we're ready to sit at your table again. Uh, We had communion, but now, Lord, we're here to Eat of the word of God, the bread of life. We ask you, Lord, teach us by your spirit. Anoint me to bring forth the word the way you want today. Let it be heard and applied. And in the process, Lord, as we pray, you be glorified. You be exalted. Let your people be encouraged. And we thank you for what you're going to do through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the message today, Sojourners taken from uh, the New King James translation anyway, in verse number 11. Uh, A sojourner, by definition, is someone who's just passing through. And we see it throughout the Bible, that word. uh, It may be uh, coming a different label, but basically many great men and women of God have been labeled sojourners or strangers in the land We see it in Genesis with Abraham being called out to a land that he didn't even know, but he was called out as a sojourner to walk that way. We see later his son Isaac, his son Jacob, were called strangers in the land or sojourners in the land. In fact, all of Israel was referred to as a sojourner as they went through the wilderness or they went through the desert. In Hebrews 11, which we won't turn to, but... Uh, That passage tells us that the Old Testament believers, uh, they died in faith without the promises, but they, they saw them from afar and they were assured of them. They embraced them. They confessed that they were sojourners on the earth, just passing through, being used by God for special reasons. We see Joseph and Mary and Jesus sojourning from Bethlehem to Egypt for those couple of years after the whole King Herod episode with the Magi. They later came back and settled in Nazareth. And here in 1 Peter 2.11 and 1 Peter 1.1, Peter uses the term sojourners or pilgrims. You who are just passing through. And whenever whenever I think about that, it it brings a sense of relief to my spirit that this is not my permanent home. I mean, I love living. I love being here. But we're just passing through this life on the way to the next life. And everything we do actually is geared towards getting there to that other eternal life that's in in the future for us. So fellow believer... Uh, you and I are referred to as sojourners we 're just passing through in verse number eleven. Peter addresses us as well as them, but by the Spirit addressing us, and he says, "I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims." I, and I wonder what is so important for Peter to say, "I beg you." What, what was he trying to convey through this two little verses? Let me give you some insight into this. How about this? That this life is temporary. The one to come is eternal. This life is really uh, magnificently wonderful in the eyes of God. How we live in this life is important to God and important to us and important to the church of God. How What we do here has eternal ramifications. How about he entrusted us uh, as a great, with a great and eternal truth that Jesus alone saves. I had this conversation the other day as I was getting my oil changed at the place where I go to get my oil changed. And I was noticing an interaction between the, the, uh, the guy that was running the shop and a customer. I mean, I felt so bad. She came in for an oil change and he said to her, listen, I, I heard you say you're driving to New York. I don't recommend you drive to New York. Those tires you have are bald. And your, your tie rods are, are all messed up. And, and so she's kind of wondering what to do. And he's trying to be nice to her and, and tell her, you, you shouldn't drive that car. You know. And, and so they figure out a price that it's going to cost. It's going to cost way too much money for her to handle. And she left. She left. And uh, I said to the guy, I said, it must be hard for you to give people bad news. He goes, yeah, I try to soften the blow and make it, you know, make it understandable and everything. I said, well, you did a good job with that. And one thing led to another. We had a conversation right in the, in the, in the shop about, about things of God. I said, you know, I said, a lot of people are, are troubled today. There's a lot of issues today in the world. today. A lot of people have problems. A lot of people struggling financially. And uh, one thing led to another, and he was talking to me about his faith. He said, I don't know, um, uh, maybe Allah, maybe Jesus, maybe something else, but I think there's something out there. And my mind is, I'm just going a mile a minute in my mind. After a little while, I said, listen, I said, listen, man, you seem like a nice young guy. I said, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one gets there but through me. Now, you could take it or leave it. I said, you could take it or leave it, but that's what Jesus said. And then he said, well, actually, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I wear a cross around my neck, and you know, I, I, I do believe. I just don't know. And I said, you know what? I, I was thinking, I, I have a responsibility to tell this young man that Jesus Christ is the only way. You're, you're young. I, you know, When you're young, you feel like you're going to last forever. Can I tell you something? One day you wake up, and you're old. <laughs> yeah, one day... One day. I don't know. I didn't get there yet. I'm still waiting for that day. But one day. hell, oh, come on. As our, our brother Santos used to say, I may be old, but I ain't cold. <laughs> but anyway, we, we have been entrusted this eternal truth. Jesus is the only way to go here. So let's, let's do what we do. We're going to go through this verse by verse and then make some application. Boy, is it 1120 already? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. We may be here for a long time. Well, I don't know. Well, let me, let's just go through it. He says beloved. Now, we're using New King James, so I don't know what you have. But he's, I find this interesting that Peter says beloved. Whenever I think of Peter, it could be uh, something I saw in a movie a long time ago. as a big, rough, tough guy that's well, he's getting angry. He says, beloved. This man's heart has been changed. (laughs) Beloved meaning beloved by God and and beloved by me. The big burly Peter is saying, I love you guys. I'm with you. You're beloved to me. Uh, And I I can't help but think in in context of the passage. You've fallen on the chief cornerstone. You're following Jesus. I love you. But he says, I beg you. I plead with you. I urge you. I beseech you. I reason with you. I exhort you. I encourage you to do this thing. It's so important that Peter said, it's so important that you listen to me about what I'm going to say. Now, in the context, in verse number 10, if you remember last week, Peter says, you were once a people without mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. So putting, you know, read it in the context, verse 9 and 10 and 11 and 12. You can say, okay, God has done so much for you. You're beloved. God loves you. I love you. But I beg you as one who has received the mercy of God. Similarly, Paul said the same thing in Romans 12. You know this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and acceptable. Peter's saying the same thing. I I beg you, I, I urge you, you who have received mercy, you're a chosen people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special people. Chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. You've been saved. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You're valuable. You're a new creation. You're born again. You're forgiven. You receive God's love and God's compassion and God's victory over sin. And you receive His mercy and His grace. And I beg you, now that you're like that, I beg you to do this, to do this thing. He says, I beg you as sojourners and as pilgrims in the land, Strangers, foreigners, aliens, a people passing through. Philippians 3.20 says that uh, our citizenship is in heaven. It's not 966 Main Street or 980 Main Street or 960 Main Street, wherever your address is. Our, our citizenship is in glory. Our names are written in glory. That's our real home. We're just... Passing through. Now I know, I know what, I I mean, I feel this this tension in my own heart. But Lord, I got bills to pay. I got kids to raise. I got grandkids to love. I got to do this. I got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do all that thing. But your real home is in glory. You're just really passing through here. And he says in that Philippians 3.20, he says, "Your, Your lowly body, hallelujah, will be transformed into a glorious body like Jesus. Are you looking forward to that day? So when you have your aches and pains, I'm not saying I have those yet. I'm not saying that. I'm saying whenever that happens, there's glory on the other side. So he says, brethren, uh, beloved, I beg you, as people that are just passing through, I, 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 I I just ask you this one thing. Abstain from fleshly lusts. Well, you know what? In that culture, there was another movement going on that said you could do whatever you want to do in the flesh. You're right with God. Go have a field day, whatever you want to do. You're okay with God. He's only concerned about your spirit and not your body. And Christianity comes along and says, wrong God's concerned about every aspect of your life, body, soul, and spirit. Abstain from fleshly lust. In uh, chapter 116, he says it more concisely. He says, be holy. We preached about that a few weeks ago. But keep away, uh, avoid, stop, uh, turn away from those things. Don't do those things. Change your direction. Uh, Cease in that behavior, but but. Flee or abstain from f- fleshly, fleshly lust. Now we know different translations say it differently. Some say sinful desires. Some say evil desires. Some say worldly desires. I like the New King James because in my mind it hits the nail on the head. Fleshly desires. Let's talk about what fleshly desires might mean. A couple of things I read about. I put together a couple of little sayings or, 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 or expressions of what fleshy desires means. How about this? Fleshy desires are passions of the soul that corrupt or sicken or disease the mind, the heart, and the spirit of the living. Uh, does that resonate? Fleshly lusts, passions of the soul that corrupt or sicken or disease the mind, the heart, and the spirit of the living. How about this? An itch that's waiting to be scratched. You know what I'm saying? It's there and it's just, you know, you just want to go that way. How about this? It's a cancer waiting to explode into torture. I want to talk about this for a minute. There's some troublesome aspects about these fleshly lusts. Number one is we all have them. No matter how we try to slice it and dice it, we all have them to deal with. And number two is that they don't disappear upon salvation. Nor do they disappear upon the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're with us until our body actually dies and we're just with the Lord in our spirit. We have this flesh to contend with all of our living days. I know I knew this one guy. At the time, he was probably about 80 or so. And uh, I think the church that I was involved, we were doing something at the maybe evangelism at a beach. He said, no, I, I don't go to the beach. I said, why not? He goes, oh, people wear bathing suits down there. I don't go. He's 80 years old. But at least he was wise enough to avoid the temptation that he had. I give him a lot of credit. But it, it never ends. But let, let's, uh, if we can do this, can you turn with me to Romans chapter 6? Everyone get your, your app or your Bible. I just wanted you to see a couple of things here. In Romans chapter 6, we have a great uh, description of what it, what it is to be born again. But in chapter 6, in verse number 6, I'm just going to highlight some scriptures here. Uh, Paul's writing to the church. He says, Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. What a great word and a great promise. We're no longer slaves of sin. But then it goes on in verses 7, 8, 9 and 10. It talks about Jesus' death and Jesus' victory over death. In verse number 11, it says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, think this way. Act this way. In other words, live out what Christ has done for you on the cross. Live it out in real life. He says in verse number 12, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. But verse number 16 says, don't you know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you're that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. I find this, I find this difficult, because on the one hand, we have a victory. On another hand, we have the, the teaching and the admonition from the Holy Spirit to live your life according to that victory that Jesus has purchased for you. But in the meantime, we still have these fleshly desires going on in our mind or in our spirit. And so we're we're in like a a complicated war between between ourselves. What master will you serve? And Peter's saying, back to what he said in verse 11, I beg you, as people that are passing through, you've been redeemed, abstain from fleshly desires or fleshly lust. Abstain from them. It's up to you to abstain from them. Now, the Lord does help us, though. In John 14, we read, The Lord will give you the Holy Spirit, who, who is called the Helper. So in the moment of temptation or whatever, we have the Holy Spirit there to help us through that temptation. Psalm 119 tells us, How can a young man cleanse his way, cleanse his hands? by heeding the word of God. We have the word of God that strengthens us and fortifies us against the temptation of the flesh. In John chapter uh, 11, the story of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Great, magnificent, miraculous story. Lazarus come forth and Lazarus comes out of the tomb and there he is standing there all wrapped up in his death clothes. And Jesus says to all the people around you, go over there, loose him from those death clothes. That's the body of Christ in action. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, we have the body of Christ working amongst ourselves to set the captive free and to make it through in this life. So Paul said it, Peter said it, Jesus taught it to fight this good fight, fight against the tendencies of the flesh, abstain from things, And it says in verse number 11, these things war against your soul. It's not just physical. It's something inside of you that suffers when you get involved with fleshly lusts and desires. They war against your soul. It becomes a spiritual event. Well, you may think it's just physical. Well, it's what I drank or who I saw or who I spent time with. Well, all that, but it's all behind that is a spiritual element. We know from John 10 10 the thief has come. Satan has come to kill us, to rob and destroy us. Ephesians 6 tells us to resist the devil and put on the armor of God. Turn with me, if you can, to to Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2. I want to show you something. Ephesians 2, I love these first three verses. This spells it out really clear. One day, it was, it's like the light went on in my spirit. I got what he was saying. He says, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. That, that's being born again. You know, any, can anyone relate? He made you alive. Now, you may not feel so alive all the time, but you know what? You're alive spiritually. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God has forgiven you and made you alive It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. There's three things to see in this little passage. One is the worldly way. There are many good people living in the worldly way. They're just not saved. But before we knew Christ, we walked in the worldly way. We did what the world did. We had values like the world. And then secondly, in verse number two, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There was a spiritual component in that walking in the world system that we were in before. There's the world and then there's demonic evil forces. And then verse number three, the third element is among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our own flesh. So you have the world system, you have spiritual forces, and you have your own self to deal with. It's like a triple whammy, if you want to put it that way. But but God God is saying, you know, these are things that you've been delivered from. Abstain from these things. You've been called out. You've been made alive. So don't live in that realm anymore. So verse number 12, he says, conduct having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. In other words, God is calling us out so that our lives are exemplary to non-believers, that they may criticize us and make fun of us or persecute us or, or whatever. But in the long run, our example will encourage them to turn to God as well so that when Jesus comes back, the day of visitation, they also will be ready to receive Christ or ready to to live for Christ for eternity. As opposed to being in fear of judgment, our example will lead them along the way. Put it that way. People read us all the time. You know that? You know that, right? People are watching us people are looking at us, seeing how we we react to things. Um, But he says, let your conduct, verse number 12, let your conduct be honorable among the non-believer. I could just picture, you know, people saying, and you call yourself a Christian, and you read your Bible, and you quote scripture of me, look at the way you live your life. Don't talk to me about God when you're a hypocrite yourself. But you know what? God is calling us. I'm not saying anyone's going to be perfect, because that's not going to happen. But he's calling us to a higher level of conduct that others will see the grace of God at work in our lives. Again, going back to Peter's first statement, Beloved, I just find it so uh, heart-touching that God will touch the hearts of big, burly men or women that are angry and bitter and messed up, and God will touch them in such a way that they now become lambs used by God to touch people's lives. And I've seen it many, many times. Somebody may not receive my testimony or my word, but someone else who's been through other stuff than me, a different approach, people will listen to them. Even their appearance, they will listen to. So, uh, verse number uh, 12, when they speak evil against you, you know, in the first century, uh, the first century church took a lot of verbal abuse from the society in which they live. You know what I found out? They People who didn't believe referred to Christians as cannibals because they ate the body and the blood of somebody. They didn't get it. They, they thought the agape feast that we cherish was like a big sexual orgy, wild party. They thought the church was Totally antisocial and cult like because they never got involved with anything. Well, they didn't because those were ungodly things. They even thought that they were atheists because they didn't have statues like the other religions had. But they were proven wrong by how they lived their lives. They were honest, they were kind, they were gracious, they were sexually pure. And many died for their faith, not relenting, not going back, but staying faithful till the very end. So, beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Well, I want to give you four things to think about real quick. Let me just say this before I do that. (laughs) In verse 13, chapters 2 and 3, Talk about how your conduct should be honorable. Verse 13, he says, I'll paraphrase, obey the law of the land. That's one way for your conduct to be honorable. Verse number 18 starts a little passage. Obey and submit to your boss on your job. Chapter 3, verse 1, be submissive to your spouse. Let let your marriage relationship be a testimony. And verse number 9 talks about just... Just in life in general, don't return evil for evil and revelry for revelry. Just be kind to people. Be be gracious towards people. But I want to give you four things. I'm going to go quickly because the hour is getting away from me here. Uh, Four things that sojourners should be aware of or four things that sojourners should be doing in our lives. Okay. The first one is this. We have to understand that we're called out to live differently. We're, our life is different. When we receive Jesus, something happened in our mind, in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit. We don't dance by the beat of the world anymore. We, we dance to a different drummer. We dance to the beat of the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 14 through 18, it says, Don't be unequally yoked with non-believers." Um, What fellowship does light have with darkness? You're the temple of the living God. God is in you. Come out from among them and be separate from them. Now, this doesn't mean we don't get involved with people. We have to. In fact, Paul said in another place, what I'm talking about here is not people in the world, but people in the church that are saying those things. Like isolate yourself, take yourself out of the sinful way. He says in another place, bad company corrupts good character live differently, live morally, live legally in speech and thought and deeds, reflect a changed heart. I think of things like, we don't get even with people. We don't say things to retaliate against people. We turn the other cheek. We love our enemies. We be kind and gracious to people that hurt us or talk bad bad about us. But as a sojourner, we're called to live a different life. Second one we see in verse eleven, uh, second part of verse eleven, a sojourner understands that we're in the midst of a great spiritual warfare. I said it this morning. Pamela, we had a little prayer time earlier, and uh, I said it to the worship team: Don't fall for the lies of Satan. The things might be going on, whatever. Underneath all of that is a demonic attack to shipwreck our faith. Don't fall for it. We're we're in a war we're in a battle. We read in Ephesians 6 to to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. Be aware of it. We don't we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. But we as a sojourner, we understand the problem. It's spirit. It's spirit. And we don't as I said said this morning, we're not a sucker for Satan's lies. We stand against the lies of Satan. And I want to encourage you. I don't know what you're dealing with, but stand on the word of God. I've been so uh, being led by the Lord to do this. I haven't done it yet, but I need to write down all the scriptures that I could think of that relate to who I am in Christ. I mean, I know there's some, I know some, I know a lot, but I want to get it all together and present it somewhere. But I want, I want us to understand who we are in Christ. In other words, are you sick and tired of getting beat up by the enemy? Are you sick and tired of just being tossed to and fro and not being sure what you want to do and how you should think and how you should believe? That This is our compass. This is our guide. We need to be aware there's a spiritual element out there that doesn't want to see us progress in our faith. He wants to shipwreck our lives. And how is that manifested? A breakup of the family? Come on. Having kids that rebel, not have enough money to live and feed yourself and pay your rent. All these attacks of the enemy are designed to make us lose faith And I'm saying a sojourner like Abraham or anyone you want to pick, a sojourner knows where we're going and has the faith to stand against the wiles of the enemy. He's He's an ugly liar. Amen? He's an ugly liar. The third one is this. I'm just trying to move fast here. Verse number 12. Sojourners know that ultimately we're called to be a witness for the Lord. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Yeah. Conduct the way we live our lives is so, so important. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. A light on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't put your light under a basket. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Let me remind you, somebody's watching you how you live, how you respond, how you talk, how you reason, how you look. They're looking at your face to see how you react to things. But somebody needs to hear what you have to say about Jesus. That dear young man at the, at the place where I got my oral changed, uh, he said he, maybe he'd come to see us sometime. Maybe he's online right now, I don't know. But you know what, we need to be a witness for somebody. Somebody needs to know that somebody real is out there that loves Jesus, And there's people in your lives, your families perhaps, your co-workers, classmates, people you grew up with, whatever, that need to know God is real. And God will use you to be a witness for him. You don't need to be behind this pulpit preaching the word of God to be a witness for the Lord. The last thing is in verse 12, the second part of verse number 12 Notice Peter's like tying in this idea, be a witness for other people so that, to paraphrase, that they'll get saved. That when Jesus comes back, they'll be ready to go with Jesus. So a sojourner understands that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is just, you know, almost on the verge of coming back right now. Think of the things that Jesus taught about the ten virgins, the the two servants, the marriage supper, the analogy of Noah and the last days and various things. Think of the various things that Paul wrote. But Jesus is definitely coming back. He said, do communion until I come back. A sojourner has that in the forefront of their mind and in their spirit. Jesus is coming back maybe today. In fact, some sojourners say, Lord, make it today. I'm ready to go today. In 2 Peter 3, can we look at it real quickly? 2 Peter 3, just a few pages to your right. He says, Beloved, I write to you, uh, I write this uh, second epistle uh, to stir up your pure minds by by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the the earth standing out of water and in in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. I don't know about you. There's so much going on in the Middle East right now, with wars and battles and people dying left and right, with Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan and North Korea, and so much going on with famine and struggles across the the world uh, so many things happening with weather reports that are difficult. So many acts of violence that are just uh, covering the news cycle. If there's a time ready for Jesus to come, I say, you know what? It's ready right about now. Yes. And what's going to happen? Well, just to clarify, there will be the rapture of the church. The believers will be taken away, according to First Thessalonians 4 and other passages, will be removed from earth. And then the Lord will deal with Israel for the next seven years. But a sojourner understands the principle. Our days are limited here on this earth. Let's let's walk wisely with the idea that Jesus is coming back really soon. Okay, so in summary, um, sojourners are called to live different lives. We're called to engage in spiritual warfare. We're called to be a witness. You ever hear this saying? Preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. Sojourners are expecting the Lord's return at any moment. It might be today. Let's stand together if we can. We're going to read that that passage. I have it up there in the New King James. A sojourner passing through. Use your time wisely on earth. Let's read it together. Beloved... I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen? Amen. (laughs) I I just... uh, You know, tying in verse 11 with verse number five, those spiritual sacrifices, offer your your spiritual sacrifice. It could be something that you desire to do or to have, I mean, in a simplistic way. How many of you can remember Lent? Do you remember, well, I was always taught to sacrifice something during Lent. You know what I would often sacrifice? dessert (laughs) my mother's famous chocolate cake was a spiritual sacrifice so take that analogy and apply it to some other fleshly desire that you may have that's your sacrifice not to go there not to do that amen every head bowed for just a moment every head bowed, just a moment. I, uh, we're going to pray. Today is February the 4th. Many, many years ago on this day, uh, my 19-year-old brother was killed in a car accident. I was 16. And it, that changed the course of my life. from that moment on I knew that this life was absolutely temporary if my brother could leave us at 19 what's tomorrow going to bring on uh, I think it was December 29th I had a a call from somebody 2 o'clock in the morning I didn't see it till the next day I texted him back. I said, hey, did you call me? Yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about something. I said, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, oh, I didn't realize it was 2 o'clock. Well, that poor young man died this past week. Probably about 30 or so, 35. He died. He'd been here many times. Pastor Brazil was 83. Lived a long life. But you know what? That's not long enough. I'm sure his wife's saying, that's not long enough. Only God knows. We're only passing through. Whether it's one more year to go, or five more years to go, or maybe ten more years to go. You know, my testimony, personally, I was thinking... I had cancer all last year. I I was thinking I was going to see Jesus pretty soon. But I'm I'm well, praise God. I don't know. We're we're sojourners. We're just going from one place to the next. And that has to impact our lives on how we live. People are watching. So without anyone looking around, I just want to raise a few questions. Is there anyone here this morning, maybe somebody online? You you feel what I'm saying? You feel God in in this message? And you realize as a follower of Christ, some things in your life have got to go. It's a spiritual sacrifice. It could be the proverbial chocolate cake. (laughs) Whatever that represents in your life. You may have a piece of chocolate cake that you need to get rid of. Or something. What if God called you? I read another news report. A guy I, I used to know Died in a car accident down in Connecticut about two weeks ago. Just had an accident and died. I'm not fatalistic. I'm trying to be realistic. We're just passing through. Are you ready, church? Are you ready? Oh, I have time. I have time. I have time. Well, no, I don't know if you have time. I don't know if I have time. Today's the time. I said this before, but some years ago at this point in a message, the pastor would say something like whatever you want to get rid of, come up here and put it on the altar. Mostly it was cigarettes at that time. I don't know if that would work in our culture today, because what you have to get rid of, you may not have it with you right now. But when you go home, you may have to chuck some things out. It all goes back to what Jesus said. We said it last week. Whoever falls upon this cornerstone will be broken. Those vices, those things, and it won't happen overnight. Over the course of a lifetime, those things will go. Does anyone want to join me in falling upon that cornerstone today? Anyone want to join me? I just want to renew that commitment to God. I want to fall upon the cross. I want to get on the cross. I want to die to myself. I want all the, all the stuff in my life from my past. Sometimes I reason. It's not even logical. But I'm affected by my own life. And I want God to renew me, to straighten me out again and again and again and again. But I know it's a daily struggle. It's a daily commitment to God. Okay, I'm going to pray. If anyone needs prayer, come see me at the altar afterwards. Father God, thank you for calling us to be sojourners, pilgrims, passing through this life into the next. We pray, Lord, that should you return this week, we'll be ready. Let us be ready, O God. Let us also affect somebody else's life in a positive way that they too will be ready. But Lord, help us To identify and to crucify the fleshly lusts in our own lives that nobody may even know about, just me and you. Help us to kill it, crucify it, to put it aside, to live in the victory that you purchased for us on Calvary. We know, Lord, you did it. We read it in Romans 6. But that victory is determined by every step that we take day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. We determine whether the victory is really ours or not. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do the right things. Because somebody's watching, yes, but mainly, Lord, because you are watching. Help us, Lord, to be healthy sojourners going through this life and marching on to the next life. I pray for this church. I pray for those online today for a renewal in our spirit as we're in the beginning part of this new year, Lord, 2024. Let this year be a year of renewal, a year of getting back to the beginning of basics for us, for many of us, a year of sensing your love and your power at work in us that we might do great things for the kingdom of God. Awaken us, O God. Renew us, O God. And we thank you in advance for what you're doing and what you're going to be doing throughout the year. We give you all praise, all glory and honor belongs to you. And this we pray in the glorious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, uh, there's coffee and chocolate cake in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Save a piece from Noah. No, Altars are open. God bless you. Have a good day. Hope to see you online tonight at 6. Go in victory.